Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Guys, this morning we're going to be uh, diving into a brand new series. It's an interesting series, actually following Easter weekend. My goodness. Easter, let me just celebrate just a couple of things with you. Last week we had over 700 people come through the building. Is that incredible? So many people made decisions. Uh, It was just absolutely incredible. I'm so, so ecstatic. I just want to say a big shout out to our lead team And anybody that served at any capacity over that weekend, Um, we had so much going on, not only over the, you know, over the weekend, but, you know, a couple of days prior, but then all of the planning and the preparation. So big shout out to every single person that played any part in that. Can we give them just a round of applause? Um, it's amazing what happens whenever you serve well and God gets the credit for it. Amen. And, uh, and I just totally believe that God was used um, not only in the drama and, and the, you know, the, uh, the Easter egg hunt that we had on Saturday and then both services on Sunday. And, um, and I just really feel like, like, like God, you know, we put a smile on his face. And you know why? is because so many people raised their hand to either recommit their heart to the Lord or they were first-time you know, decisions that were made. And somebody say, that's new life. You know, the Bible says that whenever one person gives their heart to the Lord, all heaven rejoices. Like there's a huge, there's a huge party that takes place in heaven. And, um, and we saw a lot of partying going on this last week, so... So that was very, very cool. So we're going to be starting a new series, and, and uh, you gotta, you got to just, you know, you got to just love the creativity of the title of the series. It's called No One Gets Out Alive, and I know that's kind of scary, especially, you know, following Easter, Easter Sunday, and, but I have been fielding a lot of questions about life after death. What happens when you, when you die? We, we, we're probably fielding a lot of questions because we've been talking a lot about it. For about the last year, and I've, and I've you know, been apologetic you know, to, our, you know, to our church family, and I've just kind of shared how you know, the Lord's been dealing with me some things that not every single person, when they die, they're in a better place. And I've done a lot of funeral services, a lot of funeral services um, where, where you don't know. I mean, you, you, you hope for the best. And while, you know, while it makes the family feel really well that, hey, you know, so-and-so, they're in a better place. They're not hurting anymore. The truth of the matter is, is that while that may make the family feel better. We're not really doing a great justice by putting everybody into heaven. In fact, some people will ask me, do you think so-and-so is in heaven? And I've just, I've just reserved to the, listen, I can't put anybody in heaven and I can't put anybody in, it's, it's not my, but I'm telling you, as I'm speaking to the living, somebody say, I'm alive. As I'm speaking to the living, it is important how you live your life. It's important the decisions that you, that you make because nobody gets out of here alive. You are going to, you're going to breathe your last breath at some point or another. Now, I hope that it's many years from now. But the truth is, we may get through this week and, 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 and have lost some folks that we love dearly. Because why tomorrow is not promised, you're like, man, what a great follow-up to an Easter weekend. You know what I'm saying, message? But just hang with me for a second. This is celebratory because of how many people made the decision to follow Jesus or to recommit their life this last Sunday. That was one of the reasons. Not only... 
you know, because there's been multiple conversations. Well, what happens whenever, you know, what happens when I die? But I'm telling you, the good news is, is that it's so beautiful when somebody says, you know what? I am a sinner in need of a savior. And I believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he was the only begotten of the father. I believe that he lived a perfect life. And that, that he laid his life down, that anybody that would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so when somebody comes to that position and that place that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus, come on, it's not just a little decision. It's a huge decision. It's the, it's the best decision that somebody can make. Amen. And so today we're just going to kind of do a little bit of an overview. I'm not going to be preachy. I don't think I, I want to teach more. I want the Bible to speak for itself more today than than I mean, always, but more today than than we're going to we're going to read more Bible today than we usually do. OK, because because you don't have to explain it. It kind of explains itself. Right. And so. So anyway, we're going to kind of do an overview today. I'm setting you up a little bit. Don't skip out on the next couple of weeks because next week we're going to talk about hell. Hell is a real place and it's not going to be hellfire and brimstone. I'm not going to scare you. I'm not there. This is not pastor trying to dance on your emotions. You know, I remember I, was, I grew up in a church where they scared me out of hell and into heaven about every Sunday. And that's not, that's not our church. That's not who we are, right? That's not us. But we do want to know what the Bible says. You know, I always thought, man, yeah, so, I, so I'm a Marine. I always thought, man, one of your greatest things that you, can, that you can have against your enemy is if they don't understand you. Like if they, if they, have, they, they, they don't know what's, your, what, what's in your playbook. They don't know how you... You know, they don't know how you operate. And, and, and I always thought, man, that's so incredible. But do you know this, that there are a ton of people that don't even believe that, that, that hell exists? There's a lot of people that don't even believe that it's, a, that it's a legitimate, a real place. And the enemy's probably like, man, this is the greatest weapon that I have. People don't even, people don't even know that hell exists. And so... So anyway, what happens when you die? And I know that this isn't a question that people even like to, you know, to respond to. It's a conversation that they would rather, they would rather avoid. But what happens when you, when you die? And the truth is that you really, truthfully, don't die. You don't die. You continue to live. Now, things change, and you're, you're in a different state, but you really don't die. Your physical body dies, but your soul, somebody say your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, your soul is really who you are. How many of you are thankful that you're not your body? I'm much better than my body, right? <laughs> come on, come, can we get an amen this morning? I am not what the shell looks like. I'm much better. <laughs> but your soul, it continues to live. Who you are never dies. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 1. I'm going to bounce around through this here. Just follow along. Read the whole chapter if you'd like. But it says this, For we know that when this earthly tent that we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and we leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven. An eternal body, somebody say an eternal body, made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies or yeah, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen, you're going to have a body. This is important because some people ask the question. I've been asked the question. 
Are we just like, are we just like air floating around? You guys remember the old cartoons where the ghost is, you know, it's translucent, transparent. You can see right through. Is that really what we're going to be like? It's like, no, man, we're going to have bodies and this body that you're going to have, I believe is, I don't know what the limitations, if any, but it's certainly going to be more freeing than this body that we have right now. Like, I don't know. I don't know what all that's going to look like, but Somebody say no limitations, right? That is really cool. Somebody say no aches and pains, right? Somebody say I'm getting my speed back. Come on, we, we've gotten a little slower in our, in our age, right? Got my confidence back. And this is the other thing is, is that, that I believe that this passage of Scripture alludes to the fact that we're going to have clothing somebody say amen. amen because if we didn't that would be hell that wouldn't be heaven that would be <laughs> nobody wants that so it goes on to say while we live in these earthly bodies we groan and sigh but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us rather we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life so we are always confident. Somebody say always confident. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. Verse eight. Yes, we are fully confident. Somebody say fully confident. And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. And one of your translations says to be absent from the body is to what? Is to be present with the Lord. So what is our goal? Why are we here? Why do we why do we exist? Why live, you know, for the average male 74 years, I believe, and 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 women, you know, 78 years. What's the what's the purpose? Is it to is it to become Instagram famous? Is it to find out how many followers that you can, you know, that you can get to like your, you know, your latest post? Come on, is it to, is it to build a, a, a family and, 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 and earn enough money so that you can get, you know, that cool little cottage with the white picket fence around it? Come on, what is the reason as to why you and I exist at all? Is it to make loads of money? Come on, is it to, is it to be gatherers? What is the purpose of this life anyway? Well, verse 9 tells us, it says, so... Whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal, somebody say our goal, is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each give or we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil that we have done in this earthly body. Please go ahead and bow your heads with me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for today. God, thank you for your word that that has the ability, come on, to change the course of our life. Thank you for the life that comes in and through reading your word, God. Thank you, Lord, for the transformation of the heart and the mind that when the word goes out, it, it hits the mark. It can penetrate. It can get exactly where it's supposed to go. Come on, to bring about the life transformation that we, that we need, God. I pray, Lord, today that out of this message, that every single person would come to the place of understanding that the life that we live, the life that we have been given, it matters. It matters so much. And there's a reason for it. God, you're intentional. And there's a purpose for each of us being alive right now. And all of those that have lived already and they've gone, you know what I mean? They, 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 they passed along. God, there was a reason and a purpose for their life. And all the people that are, that are fixing to be born, God, there's a reason and a purpose for their life. Your word says, for such a time as this, we were created. Some people may think, well, I was just an accident. You know, I was just, I, I wasn't even planned. But God, I just pray right now that they would know that they were planned. They were planned by you. And it's by your design because there's a, purpose behind their life and their living. And I pray, Lord, today that you would be elevated in this place, 
And we would go out from here just challenged up, changed up, called up. In Jesus' name, amen. Give your neighbor a high one, not a high five because of COVID. Just give them a high one. It's safer that way. Um, so why even talk about death? Why talk about death? How many of you are super excited that we're in this conversation right now? I knew not. I knew this was not going to be the case. You know, I did, uh, I, I've always been in some kind of sort of sales and, 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 and either sales and management, kind of marketing before the Lord. And, um, and there was a short period of time where, where I sold some investments and, and along with that I sold life insurance. And every single time that I would, that I would talk about life insurance, taking care of, of the people that you love, in the event that you're no longer here. Like many people, they entered into that conversation. They were like, yeah, you know, I definitely want my family to be well taken care of. And, and um, you know, I, uh, I want to I be forward thinking, you know. Um, that would happen a lot of the time. But many times people would just get so freaked out. About, I, don't, I don't even want to have this conversation. I don't even. Like, listen, man. Last I saw, one out of one people die. You know what I'm saying? And just because, just because it's, it's uncomfortable or makes you uncomfortable thinking about it doesn't mean that it's not a reality. But we get weird whenever we, you know, when we talk about, when we talk about dying. And so why are we going to talk about death? We're going to talk about death today because your belief will determine how you will live this life. Your belief in what happens in the afterlife is going to make a huge determination on how you live this life. Because, listen, you're going to continue to live. Whether you believe it or not, it's like the, you know, I've had conversations with people. I just don't even believe in God. I just don't. That's just all hogwash. And I don't even know what that is. But but anyway, that's just that's just crazy. That's for weak minded people. That's fine. You, you, you don't believe in God, but you will at some point. And, and this is the truth, that, that whether you believe in life after death, or if you just think that you're going to, you know, you're just, gonna, you're just given this life and then, and then nothing, you're going to believe that you will continue to live once you, once you transition from this life to the next life, because you will continue to live. Whether you believe it or not, you will believe it. Whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every means, means every. And so if you don't believe in life after death or you don't believe in eternity, then you have a bend or a propensity, come on, to live a life that is self-serving. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. You know what I mean? You have more of a bend and a tendency to be selfish, and it's all about what I can get. Have you ever met somebody that they, they don't even care how they treat their brother? All it is is about what can I get for me, myself, and, and, and my own. Have you ever met people like that? Have you ever met people where you leave the conversation and you're like, I really don't know how they sleep at night? Like, I have met some people. It's like, man, how do, is their conscience just completely seared? Do they not even care? It's like some of these people that enter into these Ponzi schemes. It breaks my heart, man. They, they, will, they will take advantage of, of, of people that have worked hard. They don't have maybe a ton. Maybe they've got a little nest egg. But then they, you know, something comes along, sounds too good to be true. They make a huge investment. And then all of a sudden, everything, everything. It's like, how in the world do you go to sleep at night knowing that, that you know, that, that woman, the only thing that she had was her home. And now she's got to sell it and, and, uh, and, and move in, you know, maybe with, with, with one of the kids. And, and so sometimes people, they live in such a selfish way that it doesn't matter who they hurt or how badly they they hurt people as long as I'm getting ahead, as long as, come on, I've got some of that in my past, no Ponzi schemes or anything like that. But I'm telling you, I lived a large portion of my life where the only person that I cared about was me. 
And you want to talk about a desolate place filled with tremendous despair. One of the greatest miracles that happened when I gave my heart to Jesus is I started loving people again. Man, when I was a kid, I just loved people. Something happened. Many things happened in my life where my love for people grew dim. And the only person that I cared about, and I didn't even like myself, but the only person I cared about was me. Man, when Jesus came into my life, you know, took the alcohol and took the, the smoking and took all of these things, you know, away. The greatest thing that he did was gave me a heart and a love and a compassion for people again. It's beautiful, beautiful. So you will continue to live, but when you've got an eternal perspective, you're more apt to consider some things. Erwin Lutzer said this, and this is a pastor and author. I love his words. He said this, that one minute after you slip behind the parted curtain, you will either be enjoying a personal welcome from Christ or be catching your first glimpse of gloom as you have never known it. Either way, your future will be irrevocably fixed and eternally unchangeable. Somebody say, it is what it is. Come on, after you've lived this life, it is what it is. Like, there's no, there's no second chances. This is your chance. There's no, man, I, I, you know, I, I, I really wanted to get that vehicle, and I know that I'm probably paying a lot more than what it's worth, and then all of a sudden... You know, you get at home and you've got buyer's remorse, but now, you know, you're having a conversation with yourself. Well, this is only going to cripple me up for about five years. I'll just get it paid for and I won't make that mistake again. Like, listen, this life that you're given right now, it's a one and done deal. How you live it, it matters. And there is no, there's no holding place. Come on, there's no, there's no, uh, there, there's no purgatory. There, there's no, there's no uh, ability, come on, for somebody to be baptized on your behalf so that now you can go from, from you know, wherever you, because you might not think that there's a hell, but wherever that place is to, you know, to heaven, there's not. You have got one life to live, and your relationship with Jesus is your relationship with Jesus. Period. Okay? All right. Nobody can buy you out. They can't give enough money to, to get you out of, out of a holding place into, you know, the good place. Come on. It's all determined on how you spend your days. Three things that happen after this life is done. Number one, our physical bodies die. Somebody say our physical bodies die. Once again, one out of one people, even the left and the right agree with this. The left and right agree that every single person is going to die. You've got to start someplace, right? You've got to find some unity, some common ground. They've done it. Now we can only go forward. All right. Has anybody here ever had a strong fear of dying uh, or, or dying a certain death? Maybe like a death phobia. Anybody? Anybody willing to share? Yes. Do you, would you share it? You're like, no, I was just letting you know. Okay. All right. <laughs> Anybody willing to share a death phobia that maybe you've had in the past? Oh, in the back. Yes, sir. What is it? Drowning. That's a big one, right? Yeah. Anybody else drowning? Anybody got a different one? Fire. I knew that one was coming, right? Who said that? All right, fire. Anybody afraid of burning? Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, jaws came out. And listen, I'm a, I'm a, I am a, I'm a fish. I love the water. I've always been, I've always been that way. I grew up on the Umatilla River or the Columbia River there in Umatilla, Oregon, and. Um, I was in the water the whole time, and, and you know, whether it's lakes, ponds, it just it didn't matter, but then Jaws came out, and I watched it, and I'm starting to think, I can't see anything through this mercury, murky water here, and I was always, there was a period of time where it was like, you know what I'm saying, I just, I hope something doesn't come up from the depths, and, you know, and, and but I was really freaked out for a period of time. 
They should not let kids, little kids, watch those kind of movies. You know, it messes them up. I met a, a grown man once that said, I don't swim. I said, why don't you swim? Well, there might be a shark. Listen, man, we're in a pond. There is no sharks. In, you never know. You never know. I did find out that uh, you're more apt to die. Your percentages are higher of dying compared to being, you know, swallowed up by a shark or eaten by a shark. Uh, you have a better chance of dying from a coconut falling out of a tree on your head. You've got a better chance of dying from a champagne cork hitting you in the wrong spot. One person even said, you've got a better chance of dying of falling off the toilet, which I didn't quite understand what that was all about. But Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says this, just as people are destined to die once, somebody say die once, and after that to face judgment. Verse 28, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear our sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So the first thing that happened is our, is our bodies die, right? The second thing that takes place is our soul is separated from our, our, our bodies. Our soul continues to live. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and and body in hell. So what this is really challenging us to do is to, is to live a life to where we're not pleasing people, but we're more interested in pleasing God. Amen? More interested in pleasing God. So at your funeral, how many of you going to have a potluck at your funeral? I want a potluck at my funeral, so just, you know, yeah, altar call and a potluck. There you go. Um, so at your funeral, there's going to be a bunch of nice things that are being said about you, and, and, um, and, 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 and there's going to be a lot of remembering, there's going to be a lot of chatter, a lot of talk, but can I just tell you this, that you are going to be more alive at your funeral than you ever were. I mean, you may not be there, I don't know how all that, all that plays out, but I'm just telling you, you are going to be alive. And you're going to be experiencing life in ways that you've never experienced it before. This is beautifully illustrated when Lazarus died and Martha is, um, is, is, is telling Jesus, she's kind of getting after Jesus, you know, why did you take so long? You know, if you just would have hurried up and, and, and he's, he's like, no problem, open the tomb. And, and she's like, no, don't open the tomb. He's been in there for four days. Come on, and the King James Bible is, is so beautifully written. It says, he stinketh by now. <laughs> stinketh. <laughs> he stinketh by now. By now he stinketh. And this is Jesus' response. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Somebody say live. Even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And so what happens to our soul when our bodies die? There's a lot of, lot of different thoughts on that. And while the Bible's not completely clear on, on timelines and things like this, you know, are you in a soul sleep or, or is it to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? Uh, there are some things that are not absolutely clear, but let's focus on the things that are essentially clear. They're, they're very clear, right? So... We do know this. The Bible does say to be absent from the body is to what? Is to be present with the Lord. We also know this, that when Jesus was on the cross, when he was hanging on the cross, there were two thieves, one on each side of him. One of the thieves said, hey, listen, you know, if you're God kind of mocking him, if you're God, why don't you, why don't you just throw yourself off of here? And, and the other one, the other thief got after that. He's like, listen. We deserve to be where we are. We deserve this, but this man doesn't. So, so the second thief, he, he identified that Jesus was who he said he was. And he said this to him. He said, listen, this day, he said, will, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus's response was this. I tell you the truth that today, somebody say today. today. 
Somebody say today. Today. Say it again. Today you will be with me in paradise. So where's paradise and, 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 and what's it look like? It's like I don't have those details, but I do know this, that it's better than what you're experiencing right now. Right? I, I don't know the details, but I do know this, that it's, it's, it's more incredible than anything that you've ever experienced in your life. So we also know that in Paul's life, the Apostle Paul that wrote, you know, two thirds of our of our of our New Testament, the Apostle Paul, there was a time in his life where he was contemplating life and death. He was he was like, listen, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to die. I'm ready because if I go, then I'm with the Lord. And man, how great and how incredible is that going to be? But then there's a wrestling. If I live. Then, then I continue, come on, to, to be able to preach the gospel and begin to share, come on, the goodness of God with people that so desperately know him. And so Paul is in this place. It doesn't matter to live as Christ and to die as gain. He said it, it, does, it doesn't matter. It's a win-win. It's a win-win situation. There's no losing. So the apostle Paul was at this place, and these are his words, because I'm not going to add to it. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, the apostle said, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more, no more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. Imagine that being torn between desiring to die and desiring to live. I long to go and be with Christ which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. And so I'm going to spend a little bit more time, and then we're going to close this up and give you some things just to think about. But we know that our physical bodies die when we, when we pass. We know that our soul is separated. Our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, it continues to live, Right? Who you are, that's who you are. This is, the, this is who you are. You're, it continues to live. But the third thing that you can count on is that every single person is going to be judged. You can count on this. You can count on all three of these things happening. There will be a judgment day. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17. Remember that the Heavenly Father, to whom you pray, has no favorites. How many of you feel like you're a favorite? He loves us all so well that we all feel special. I I feel like I'm a favorite. Because I know he has been more patient with me than most. But guess what? You feel like a favorite too. But the Bible says, remember, he has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. Somebody say what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. I'm going to remind you again, and I've done this over the past at least six months, that this world is not your home, that you're a stranger in a strange land just passing through. I am not like Paul, like I want to drag it out as long as I can. I'm not, I'm not looking to get out of here anytime soon. But I also know that I have faced some pretty scary situations with a heart condition and whatnot. And I've been in that position where it's like, okay, Lord, I'm ready if you're ready. I still think there's more to do, but I, I'm ready. I'm ready if you're ready. And, um, and, and I've, I've faced that. I've faced that personal conversation. Wow, this could be it. This, this, this could be it. And so, so this world is not your home. Come on. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I and my father in that you might be there also. Amen. How many of you know he's talking about you? All right. So there's two judgments that I'm going to, I'm going to share with you over just the next few minutes. The first judgment is the great white throne judgment. Now, listen, most of your scholars and there's differences of opinion. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not pushing this on you, but most people believe that the great white throne judgment is for non-believers. That means those people that deny Christ don't have any relationship 
with Christ. There's a lot of people that agree that that this great white throne judgment is for them. This is found in Revelation chapter 20 and starting at verse 11. So uh, John, the apostle John, has a, a vision on the Isle of Patmos. And, and he's got this vision of, of things that are to come. And so this is that vision. I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. Verse 12. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. Verse 15, skip ahead. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So listen, how do you get your name written in the Lamb's book of life? You come to a personal place. Nobody can do it for you. I know your grandmother was a super Christian. She was amazing. And, and it would be nice to think that the whole family was saved just because grandma was a praying woman. But the only way that you get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life is really by doing what it is that we have been affording people to do almost every single service this year is repenting of their sins, asking the Lord to forgive them of their sins, to receive Jesus Christ, not only as just their Savior, but as their Lord. This is a big one. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is he, is he the one that is in control? Is he the, is he the boss? Come on, do, you know, do, do we allow him, come on, to direct our steps? Or do we just, just kind of like the idea of just say, yeah, I believe in God. Listen, the Bible says that even the, the demons believe and they shudder. How many of you know that the, the, the devil believes that Jesus is who he is? How many of you know that, okay? And so your name is written in this Lamb's Book of Life when you come to a place and you're just like, you know what, I'm a sinner. I am a broken person. I know I put off this, you know, like I got all my stuff together, but the truth is, is man, I'm a broken individual and I need Jesus. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins, to fill me with His Holy Spirit. God, please do for me what I cannot do for myself and that is to save me, right? It is you coming into a place and a position saying, I surrender. I believe and I, and I surrender. And whenever you do that, you say that prayer and you believe it in your heart and you confess him with your mouth. At that moment, man, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Never to be blotted out again. Can't be not to be erased. Like when it genuinely happens, it is there in the Lamb's Book of Life. Research blotted out. Your name is in that book by grace through faith. Not of works, not by giving enough money, not by serving, you know, the elderly, not by, you know, not by volunteering so much time. You know, there, there, there are these people that go around and, and they'll say, hey, listen, if you were to die tomorrow or today, you know, would you go to heaven? And, and, and a lot of the people say, well, of course I'm going to go to heaven. Well, what, what, what grants you? What's your ticket into heaven? Well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Listen, being a good person is not going to get you into heaven. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through a relationship with the Son, which is Christ Jesus. Amen? There's only one way. It's not by being having more good days than bad days. You know, it's, it's, not by, it's not by, you know, being your brother's keeper. It's not by treating your fellow man, you know, well. I've, I've actually heard people tell me, well, listen, I'm, I don't believe in that whole Jesus thing, but I'm more Christian than Christians are Christian. Come on, I care about my neighbor and I do this. That's not going to do nothing for you. It is only by and through the blood of Jesus Christ that you will be saved. Come on, the cross at Calvary, you come into that place and saying, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Come into my life. I receive you. That is the only way, the only 
way. There is no other way. There's, there's not a back door. There's one door. And his name is Jesus. So it's by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so those that deny Christ, come on, you know, those that say, oh, man, you're weak. You believe in all that God stuff. When you deny Christ, listen now, listen, this is very important that you understand this. It's very important that maybe the next conversation that you have and somebody flippantly just says, come on, you, the, those Christians are just a bunch of weak minded people. You need to understand that those people that die without a relationship with Jesus Christ they go to a place called hell. We're going to talk about it next week. And it's a very, very real place. This is not something that we should just have these light conversations about. I also don't believe that, that you need to scare you know, people out of hell and into heaven either. All you have to do is give a testimony Share, a, a, you know, the goodness of God with people because Paul plants Apollos waters, but it's God that gives the increase. Monty, you can't convince somebody enough, you know what I mean, to, to turn to Jesus. But it's a beautiful thing when you position yourself and you just begin to share the goodness of God, how the Holy Spirit at that time says, I can use it. And he will use he will use it to bring a person to a place of repentance and surrender. Amen? So, so be used. Don't just let people, you know, because it's very real. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. It's one of the most challenging scriptures, if not the most challenging scripture in the Bible. Jesus is actually saying it. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those that actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Wait a second. You're confusing me. You just said it's by grace through faith, not of works, lest anybody is boastful that we enter into heaven. But now you just said not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter. You're double-talking, you serpent-tongued pastor, talking out of both sides of your face. No, I am not. It is by grace that you are saved through faith, not of works. But I'm telling you what, whenever you make that decision to follow Jesus, come on, you don't have to, you don't have to do anything to get him to love you anymore because he already gave his whole life for you. But there's something that happens on the inside. And the, the, the proof is in the pudding that, man, a transformed life is a life that goes to work. So your work doesn't save you, but out of your love and your appreciation of the deliverance of Jesus in your life, come on, you, you want to go to work. I remember, I remember when I was radically saved, all I wanted to do was just be in the house of the Lord. Doing what? I didn't care. I just wanted to be there. I wanted to be around God's people. Doing what? I didn't care. I just wanted to be with them, right? Verse 22, it goes on to say, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and we performed many miracles in your name. You could say, I went to church on Easter Sunday twice. I gave to the poor. I, I helped to feed the hungry. You know, I, 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 I volunteered my time. I was, I was on the, you know, the school committee, you know, to, to how to better. Listen, you can put your whole list of reasons why. Come on, you should be in heaven. I'm a good person. Like I said, I'm better than most Christians that I know are. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I care about my fellow man. None of that matters. I mean, it's pretty cool. But as far as heaven and hell goes, when you stand before God, he's going to say, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do? What did you do with my life that I gave for you? Amen. 
Verse 23 says this, but I will reply, I never knew you. See, you knowing him and him knowing you, this speaks of relationship. It's a relationship. And do you know him? You need to ask yourself that right now. Am I in relationship with the Lord? He says, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. There's a second kind of judgment. I got I to gotta speed up here just a little bit. But believers, I believe, face a different judgment. I don't believe that the great white throne judgment is for believers. But there's a second uh, judgment that believers will face. This is called the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Now, Paul is writing to... Uh, the church at Corinth, which is which is uh, uh, filled with a bunch of believers. So he's speaking to believers. And this is what he says. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things that we've done while in the body, whether it be good or bad. So this judgment seat of Christ, it actually comes from the Greek Olympics. It's called the Bema seat. The Bema seat. The Bema seat is where the judge, after the race has been ran, this is where the judge would stand or sit on the Bema seat and he would give out rewards to those that finish the race. Somebody say finish the race. That's what this term is from. And so, so this, 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 this kind of a judgment is really a reward system for those people that have completed the race. Somebody say, I'm going to be there. I don't believe that this is a judgment seat for your sins because Jesus paid for your sins on the cross. How many of you know that somebody that repents of their sins, come on, the Bible says that God throws those as far as the east is from the west. Aren't you grateful that whenever you stand before Jesus, when you stand in that place of judgment, that he's not going to go back through all of your garbage? You need to know that. Listen to me now. Let's just listen for a second, because I get messed up with this from time to time. I'm like, man, oh, man, I really don't want to have that conversation. I, I really don't want to. I don't want to rewind a couple of reels. You know what I mean? That have been recorded. But guess what? When I put my sin under the blood of Jesus Christ and I say, God, I'm a broken mess once again, God, please save me. I'm a, I am a, I am a, I am, I should be better than what I am. God, you know. And guess what? He puts that under the blood. Guess what? Never to be brought up against me again. I don't know if this does anything for you, but it is a beautiful picture for me. Because I am, I've just been, I, like, I have, I got some regrets in my life. And I am so grateful that, that he said, listen, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. You got the accuser pointing the finger. The devil's pointing his finger at you. Look how poor you are. Look, you ain't, you're a terrible person. Right? Accusing you. But Jesus said, you are my righteousness. And our righteousness is because of the work that he's done. Amen? So. This is a reward system for the time, uh, you know, for those that have finished the, the, the race. All right. So how you live matters. I'm closing. All right. I'm closing. You're like, thank you, Jesus. All day. <laughs> how you live matters. You're going to be judged on how you treat people. Right. Come on. Is Jesus present in your relationships? You're going to be judged on how you treat people. You're going to be judged on the words that you speak. How many of you know that there's life or death in the tongue? You're going to be judged on the thoughts that you, that you have. You're going to be judged on what you do with the resource that God has entrusted to you. Right? Your time. Your money. Right? You're, there's going to be, there's going to be, there's a response. You're going to have to give an account for those things. You're going to be judged on how you endured suffering. How many of you know that Jesus is paying attention on how well you suffer? How well you go through hard things? Come on, you're going to be judged. This is going to be a beautiful thing on the people that you shared the gospel with. 
John, I just think about you, and I don't know how many tracts you've handed out in your life, probably thousands upon thousands. But how cool is it to think that one day, because of a tract that you handed to a stranger on the street corner, and you, you, you may have had a brief conversation, maybe even at that time, you know, they, were, they thought, this guy's all wet. Who is he? Who does he? You know, I ain't got time for that. But then all of a sudden, because of the work that you did, and then somebody else came along and did some extra work, and somebody, and then the next thing you know, man, they're saved today, serving Jesus. And some, somehow, maybe even on this Sunday morning, they're standing up saying, man, they're giving their testimony. And man, there's a few people that, that I am where I am today because there was this strange guy, biker-looking dude, gave me this little thing once. And and I thought that was just nuts. But then there was this old lady that I, you know, she was the sweetest old lady. I used to deliver her mail or just whatever. And, and, and now, because of the work that you have done and the way that you've spent your life and your days, you get to participate in the celebration of that one coming to Jesus. And this is why it's so cool when you give to missions, even though you would never even go on a mission field, Right? Yourself. Or you send somebody else in your place and something incredible happens. Guess what? Well, you get a chance to share in that. Isn't that great? We're building a church. Our church family here, we have raised all the money. The church is being built right now in, in, uh, in the Dominican Republic. Think about this for a second. Far after you and I are here, that church is still going to be going. And you may have not been in the DR, but I'm telling you what, God is doing some incredible things in the DR. And I believe that every single person that comes into a place of receiving Jesus Christ in that church, somehow, some way, we get a chance to share in that. That just, that's just, it's so cool. It's so, it's so, it's so beautiful. I can't imagine how humbling and amazing it's going to be that whenever we kneel at the feet of Jesus and he he begins to give us rewards for how it is that we that we lived our life. And he's like, you know what? You made such a difference. You know, I I know that children's ministry, it wasn't like your first the first thing that you were just like wanting to do. But you were faithful in serving those kids week after week after week after week. And you just didn't babysit them like you really taught them, you know, about Jesus. And here's, you know, here's your reward. Come on, you prayed and you prayed and you prayed. You were the only Christian in that company that you worked for for 20 years. But guess what? Your prayers, while it didn't seem like it was making a big difference. Come on, you were a, you were a bright spot, a bright light in that company. And, and there were people that were paying attention and I'm going to use that. Come on, you didn't have much, but you were always willing to give what it is that you, that you had. Jesus said it like this, when I was hungry, you gave me food. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And then all of a sudden, on this judgment day, right, at this, at this Bama seat, people are going to be confused. What do you mean? What? What? When, when were you hungry and I gave you something to eat? And when were you thirsty? I don't, this is really confusing. He says, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. I'm telling you, church, how you live your life, it matters. And you've only got one life to live. And I also know that a message like this can bring all of us to a place of regret if we've lived it all because it's like, I've, made, I've let so much time pass. I've given away my best years. I'm telling you that the Lord says that He is able to redeem the time. Like you can use your life, however much life you've been given, however much life you've got left, you can use it to make a difference. Amen? Don't, don't spend too much time remorse, you know, regretting what it is that you missed out on back here. Why don't we just take a look at the day today and look forward and say, God, you know, I don't know what it's exactly going to look like, but every day I'm a vessel that you can utilize, that you can use. Amen? And guess what? You're going to have to get up intentionally every day to make that to make that really, really come, you know, come into play.
I remember when I was first saved, and um, I'm just going to be a little bit honest with you for a second. I remember when I was first saved how, how, uh, how I thought, man, being a Christian would be so much easier if I was just older. I had a lot of things pulling on me, and being a Christian would be so much like I could just glide through Christianity the older I am. Boy, that was dumb. I think that for some, like you would say your glory days were your younger days. But in our minds, we're like, man, the longer I walk with God, you know, the stronger. And that's exactly how it should be. Like, it really should be that way, right? God takes us from glory to glory to glory. But I'm telling you, if you're older, you, you put whatever age you want on that. I'm putting myself in that in that category. What I found is the older that I get, sometimes the more comfortable I like to be. And I'm telling you, when I was first saved, I put myself out there sometimes a whole lot more than I put myself out there now. When I was first saved, it didn't matter if I was going to the gym. It didn't matter if I was going to the grocery store. If you were in close proximity to me, you may just get prayed for. You you might just uh, you, you know you 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 might just you know be given the gospel message at the drop of a dime. If you were a, if you were a um, if you were a cashier and you had a long face, you were going to hear something about Jesus, no doubt. That was always like a. Even today, I'm just like, man, this person doesn't seem like they really like their job. Maybe they should get a new one. But I would, in the past, I would just, I would just share, share the Lord with them. Sometimes today, you know what I find myself? I, it's, it's, I guess it's Confession Sunday. Sometimes today, I just keep on going. Let me ask you a question. This is my closing thought. Why is it that we can have activists? Let's say, and I love trees. I love trees. I love the forest. I love the woods. I think all that's incredible. How can you have a person that will take and chain themselves to a tree so that the trees and the, 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 the clearing of forests you know, it comes to a it comes to a stop. How is it that 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 maybe you are a certain way and then all of a sudden you get with other people that are a certain way and, and you're like, you know what, we need to fight for we need to fight for our way so that life can be better for for our way. And they get together and they can have a million mile march or a million man march and not a million mile march. That would be a long ways. But they get together and they and they group up and we need to change and we need this and that. But yet the church, come on, has the very the, the, the best message for a world that is hurting and broken. Like we have hope for all hopelessness. The church, come on, has the incredible message of the cross of Jesus Christ. But sometimes we just find ourselves just being silent. We can't get together for nothing. We're too busy worrying about, well, well, I can't link up with them because what if some of my people, which are, there's no people that are my people, they're all his people. What if some of my people go over to, over to that church? And so we have gotten so good and the enemy has done such an incredible job of dividing and separating the body of Christ. We can't get together for nothing. We're too worried about, come on, I've been around some strange things, but we're too worried about majoring on the minors and not keeping the main thing the main thing. And while there should be some discussion and some talk, and hopefully iron sharpens iron as one sharpens another, sometimes we're not even interested in entering into the conversation because it just turns into a yelling match. All I'm saying is there's a world out there that is perishing and your life matters and my life matters 
and the church matters. What we do collectively together, it matters. Because anybody, this is sobering, anybody that dies and they do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, unfortunately, they don't go to heaven. And Jesus desires for them to go to heaven. He says, man, I wish that all would be saved and that none would perish. Right? He went to the cross, come on, to save the sins of the, of the world. Would you just believe in me? Would you just receive me? Yes, come on in. Come on in, be a part of my family. Right? Come on, time is short. Doesn't matter if he's coming back real soon or not. Time is short because you've only got one life to live. You got one life. Let's be intentional. You know, I was... I, I got a chance to go out um, to Kansas with my son. And, uh, and it's interesting driving in a place that you are unfamiliar with. I don't know about you, but I rely heavily on maps. Turn left in 500 feet. Turn right. In, I, I, I love it. And then all of a sudden you're in traffic and you're not really looking down and you're not paying attention and you pass your turn <laughs> rerouting. Would you like me to recenter? Well, yes, thank you. Sometimes in life, because we get distracted and, and we get confused and we've, we're looking at everything else, sometimes we've got to we got to recenter, right? Sometimes we need, to, we need to make some changes and reroute, amen? And I'm just telling you, man, that the Holy Spirit, I believe, is speaking to people even right now. It might be a great time this morning just to reroute and recenter. Lord, you know what? I do. I've got one life to live, and I want to live it better. I don't know about you, but I think it's crazy for anybody to say, you know, no, it's all right. Like right now, the Holy Spirit's like, you can live better. To me, of course I can. I want to be led by you. I want my life to count and matter. I want to glorify your name with the days that I've been given. Amen? And for those of you that would say, I just don't think I'm doing a very good job of that, well, start doing a better job of it today. Amen. His grace is sufficient. His mercy is new every day. And he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen. Amen. Real quick, I just wonder if there's anybody here this morning that you would like to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Once again, he died for you. He died to wash away your sins, to remove them, never to be brought up against you again. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord you will be saved. That is when your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So I just wonder, is there anybody here that wants to ask Jesus to be your Lord and your personal Savior today? Start that relationship with Him and then grow that relationship every single day until you're standing in front of Him. If that's you, just go ahead and just raise your hand just real quick. Anybody up top? No? Nobody? Everybody's solid? We're good. Anybody that just wants to make a recommitment here this morning saying, you know what? I want to do better. Praise the Lord. Thank you, ma'am. So good. Awesome. I'm raising my hand. I want to do better, too. Guys, awesome. Awesome. Back here. Thank you guys so much. Best decision we can make, right? I want to do better. I want to live my life to the fullest. Lord, we just thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for these beautiful people. And God, we just surrender to you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name that you would forgive us of our sins. Wash us clean. Thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. We believe in the work that was done on the cross. You were perfect. You were the only begotten of the Father. You died so that anybody that believes in you would live. God, we believe in you. That's what we say right now. I believe in you. And I receive you, Lord. Not only do I believe you and receive you, but God, I pray that you come into my life even in greater measure. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit again and again and again. That I may be empowered, called, directed 
God, to do what it is that you've desired for me to do. I want to stand before you, God. And it's not really about the reward as it is in my heart. I just want to please you. I want to hear that well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with the little. I thank you, Lord, and I thank you for these people that have made this new commitment, a renewed commitment today. I pray you bless them. I pray that you lead them. Your Holy Spirit directs them. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.